Well, um, I am the communion person tonight because Derek isn't here. And I want to do communion again at the end, like last week, because I, I, I liked it tying into the message. And my message tonight is about, I'm starting a new series about money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just after all the things you said, I thought that would be money. No, it's not. Uh, it's, on, it's on praying, actually. And it's, it's really continuing the kingdom of priests because this idea of who we are is so it's powerful. It's so powerful that we, I don't even know how to take it in. Uh, Thursday morning at Bible study, we are in the book of Romans, and we were in chapter 6. And Paul talks about how we are dead to sin. And the idea is you are dead to sin, but we don't think that we are dead to sin. So we like, well, I know I ought to be. but And we have to stop that I know I ought to be and realize, no. And so, you know, we're just in that part where Paul says, consider it or reckon it. It's the Greek word logizomai. And I had never thought of it this way before, but I said it this way. If you, if you, you know, you're, you're keeping track of your checkbook and you know how much money you have. And so you go to the store and you want to buy something that's like $32 and 14 cents and your checkbook only has $8. You don't buy it. You just, you don't do it. Well, in the same way, Paul says, consider yourselves dead to sin. And since that time, I've actually been thinking, okay, what if every time I did, what if every time I want to sin, I just said, I got to check the balance of my checking account. Oh, wait, nope. I am dead to sin. Therefore, how can I live in it? And these, these things are true. We just have to fully embrace them. We have to, to realize they are true. It's up to us to live up to the calling we have received. And so I want to start a series on prayer because about two months ago, Elsie, she's not here, but she came up to me after church and she had some questions about prayer. And prayer is a very vague thing. And here is the reason prayer is very vague. Because prayer means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Like you can read prayer books and they'll, they'll say, oh, here's your formulas and here's what you do. And other prayer books will say, you go out and you look at the sunset and you worship God and you admire it. And so I've been asking people, people that I respect about prayer, people that I trust about prayer. And uh, here's the, the two things I have learned. And these are actually not my words. They're Rick Porter's words, but he put my words into better words because I tend to ramble and say things. And then he said, this is what I hear you saying. I'm like, I'll take that. First, you can't put prayer in a box. There's really no individual formula. For example, I was raised not praying the Lord's Prayer because my Protestant church was sort of anti any type of written prayer. So when our relatives would pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, thy will be done, we were like, yeah, that's not praying. You're just mumbling. We pray real prayers. We make up our own words. You know what I'm saying? However, I have learned over time. In fact, the first time the Lord's Prayer became something that I was kind of like, well, I should think about that more. My grandfather had passed away. And I was, I think, a youth pastor at the time. And my mom asked me to do the service. And I'm like, I've never done a funeral, but how hard can that be, you know? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. 
So we went out to the grave site, and my Catholic uncle, he was like, you know, we haven't done the Lord's Prayer. Could we do the Lord's Prayer? And I'm like, okay. We can, and I didn't know it, so I'm like faking my way. Our Father, uh, our, uh, you know, I, I didn't pray it. I didn't know it. Um, but I was like, okay, why was that so meaningful to him? And then I would start going to nursing homes, and people would want to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, okay. And what I've come to realize is even if they don't actually think thoughtfully about the words even if they because there's some i mean i tell you this there are haunting words in the lord's prayer when you actually pray forgive me as i forgive those when you are asking the creator of the heavens and the earth to use your personal standard of forgiveness on you 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 better think about your personal standard of forgiveness but what i realized is they may not know what all the words mean or but the they just the act of praying it is some type of prayer. It, it, it's how they connect. And then I talk to people who sit in silence. In fact, this blew my mind. When I was going to Crown College, one of my youth, or one of my professors was a guy named Ron Griffiths. Years later, he starts going to my church in Norwich, Young America, and he wants to take me on a spiritual retreat. And I'm like, cool, I've never done that. Let's go. So he books it. We go to a monastery or whatever it was. It was some Catholic, you know, thing. And I'm walking there and I got a Bible and I'm like, okay, what do I do? And he goes, well, you do whatever you want. And he, I said, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, usually I like to sit here by the lake for the first couple hours. And I'm like, that's not spiritual retreat. You got to be, you better be doing something, son. Like read some Bible or read a book or sing a worship. You're just going to sit and look at the lake. But for him, there was something deeply spiritual about just letting go of everything and just saying, okay, God, I'm here to meet with you. And Henry Nouwen, he wrote a book called The The Only Necessary Thing. And he based it on the passage in Luke where Jesus is, there's Mary and Martha and Jesus is over for dinner, and Martha's like, we got to get the table decorated, and we got to have the, the doilies lined up, and we got to get the right dishes, and we got to, and, and Mary's just like sitting there with Jesus, and Martha's like, Jesus, why don't you tell Mary to get up and do something? She should be helping me, and Jesus is like, you know what, Martha? Only one thing is really important, and Mary has chosen what is important, and so some people say, prayer isn't asking God for things, Prayer is sitting at God's feet. And yet, clearly in the scriptures, we read the passages of prayers and people are asking God for things. And so then they want to break it into all these different categories. And for some people, reading the Psalms is is prayer. Personally, to me, when I read the Psalms, it feels more like I'm studying the Bible and I don't count Bible study as prayer. But some people say, oh no, if you're, if you're studying the Bible prayerfully, then it is prayer. Some people actually say everything you do, if you're washing the dishes, but you're doing it in a spirit of worship, that's prayer. And so I've come to the conclusion, you can't put prayer in a box because it's different for everybody. We all have our own ways to relate. And I I liken it to there's really no right way 
for a married couple to be married. And what I mean by that is some married couples, they go bike riding together. Other married couples, they go to Costco. That's what they do. That's, that's me and my wife. Costco is our main date, you know. I'm, I take her out for those fancy meals. <laughs> well, you get like a little cracker and maybe some juice and, you know. Other couples, they love playing tennis or hiking. Some couples, they love to play board games. And I'm not talking like Monopoly. I mean, the games are boring, but that's what they like to do. I'm just kidding. They're good games. But you see what I'm saying? There, you can't say, oh, well, that, that marriage doesn't count. Why? Because you are Scrabble players. No, it's they're, they're relating to one, one another. And we relate to God in different ways. And he made us different. He made us and he made us. You see what I'm saying? He made us different and he made us. Some of us like spicy. Some of us are like, oh, sweets. Some are like, no, I just want to eat beef jerky and that's it. And I want it to be as hard as possible. So, I, you know, but you know, you see what I'm saying? And so the first thing I'll say about prayer is you can't put prayer in a box. The second thing is you can't put prayers in a box because people pray differently. So this book, Henry Nouwen, he was a Catholic professor and, and monk or priest or whatever he exactly he was and he wrote like over 40 books and in the preface preface to this book the person said henry loved to pray and again when i hear pray i'm just going to tell you when i hear the word pray i have in my mind the old prayer meetings at the church you know where where like they get down on their knees and they're over their folded chairs and they have a styrofoam cup of bad coffee and their prayers go something like this Dear Lord, be with the farmers as they're out. Keep them safe as they're in the fields working this year. And be with, be with Sister Bernadette because she's struggling right now with the loss of her husband. And, you know, you are, you are praying things. So I'm thinking Henry loves prayer. And they say he would wake up every morning and he would go to the chapel and he would sit for a half hour in silence. I'm like, so what? That's that's not prayer, you know. And then he would he would read the Book of Common Prayer in the morning, and he would have his noontime prayers and his evening prayers and his afternoon prayers. And at nighttime, if you were lucky enough to run into him, he would invite you for his nighttime prayers. And he's praying like written <coughs> prayers. He's going through books of prayer, which is that's kind of what the Psalms are. I mean, the Psalms are prayers, and and you can read them prayerfully. You truly can read them prayerfully. In fact, I've, I've often tried to say, okay, I'm, I'm out of thinking about the Bible and studying it mode, and I want to be into the praying it mode. And when I started reading about how Martin Luther prayed, I'm like, I want to learn to pray like Martin Luther. And he said, sometimes when I can't pray, I'll recite the Ten Commandments, and I'll pray them. And I'm like, that's not praying. There's nothing about the farmer's. There's nothing about the lost people. There's, you're just, it's because prayer is different for everyone. So I want to say all that to free you up. To say, okay, you pray your way. You pray your way. What I want us to focus on, and that's my title tonight, is besought him greatly. Now, some of you may say like, huh? 
I'm going to be reading two stories from Mark chapter 5. And I'm reading from the ESV, but because I grew up with the King James and a lot of the scripture I memorized is in the King James, they're just phrases that I love in the King James. And in this first story, it's the story of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and his daughter was sick unto death. And in the King James, he came and he besought him, Jesus, greatly. And I just thought, that's it. It's, it's that I'm going to hunt him down, the, not in a negative way. I'm just going to find him however I can. There's a song by Margaret Becker, and she says, I'm going to move on down to Ederson. I'm going to give away my TV. I'm going back to the basics, a chair and a lamp and this book that you wrote to me. I'm looking for the me that had a heart to hear. I'm looking for the you that used to speak so clear. And that's really what prayer is about. It's, it's us communing with God. You were created to be in relationship. That's why the first thing in all of creation that is not good is when God saw that Adam was alone. And he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And ultimately, the relationship you are created for is with your creator. He gives us everything else. He gives us, I mean, he gave Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam. He gave them little boys named Cain and Abel and Seth. He gives us all of these things. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I find that it's so easy for me to seek after almost anything other than the kingdom of God. I mean, think about the things that get in our way. Have you ever been thinking, I'm going to pray or I'm going to read the Bible? And then you like, oh, I got it. And it's something that is absolutely meaningless. Nothing takes you away. That also is by design, not your creator's design, but the enemy of your soul, because he doesn't want us to be in relationship with our creator. He knows it's what you are made for. And he wants to fill you with every substitute he possibly can. And I want us to be people that besought him greatly. So we will turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. The words besought him greatly won't be in here. This is a different translation, but I might add them. And when Jesus had crossed again, so Jesus has just healed the man who had thousands of demons in him. The story of the legion, this man who was out of his mind. I just want to tell you a little bit about this story. It's a beautiful story because here's this madman. Literally, he's like out of his mind. He's spending his nights howling. He's in the tombs. He's cutting himself. They've tried to chain him up because he's a nuisance and he breaks the chains. No one can do anything about him. He is, I mean, I believe if you would have asked the people in that town, do you want to get rid of that guy? Absolutely. He's a maniac. He's just out there howling at the moon in the tombs. It's not safe. He's out of control. Jesus comes to him and the demons and the man said, what do you want with us? Have you come to torment us before the time? 
And then Jesus said, what is your name? And they said, Legion, for we are many. And he says, please don't send us back to the abyss. Jesus says, come out. He says, can we, can we have permission to go into that herd of pigs? Yes. The demons begged. Jesus acquiesced. Yes. About 2,000 pigs go running over the cliff into the sea and die. The people taking care of the pigs go to the town and tell everyone what happened. The people from the town come out. And Gary, how much is 2,000 pigs worth? Oh, he did the math on Thursday. Just shy of a quarter of a million dollars at $100 a pig, which is roughly today's market. Quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, it's 240. I said just shy. 10,000 is just shy. Okay, 240,000 for those doing the math out there. $240 a pig. What is today? Well, we read 100. Well, Google lied to us. Oh my. Well, now we got to the whole, that's just shy of half a million. No, that's over. It's a lot of money. Okay, now we got to do it. What is $240 times a thousand? That's 200. Yeah, $480,000. Okay, so the town just lost $480,000 and they aren't happy. And they come out and they are begging Jesus to get out of the town. Now, here's what is significant to me about that story. What did the town value more? One ranting, raving madman or $480,000 worth of pigs? It's the pigs. But to Jesus, $480,000 worth of pigs? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But that man, he was made in his image. You matter. You are valuable. You, to the rest of the world, they may see you as a raving lunatic. Stay away from him. Stay away from, oh, please don't. Not to your creator. And so after this story, when they kick Jesus out of the town, he goes across in a boat to the other side and a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. By the way, some people pronounce it Jairus, some people Jairus. I don't know. I literally have heard it both ways, so I'll use it once or twice each way. How about that? He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. And I'm going to tell you as a dad, there is something that is, it's like the most helpless feeling of all. When your children, when there's nothing you can do. The first time I ever felt that, my little girl, she, uh, she had, well, I didn't know what it was, but I'm just like listening to her breathing during the night. And she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, we've got to get her to the hospital. The next, I mean, I guess I waited till the morning, so I must have not been that concerned. <laughs> but the next day, I'm like, Janina, we've got to take her in. And my wife, between the two of us, my wife goes to doctors much more frequently. Than I like if it's not hanging off of you or, you know, like, ah, put a little butter on it. You're going to be fine. So my wife said, when I knew that you wanted to take her in, that's when I thought, okay, this is, 
serious. Now, it turned out to be bronchitis, which, you know, I didn't know anything about, but I'm just like, there's nothing. Can you imagine your daughter being at the point of death? And this man, uh, he's probably a dignified man because he was the ruler of the synagogue. You know, you don't, you don't get that position. He's, he's done something, right? He's respectable, but he doesn't care. He, in fact, read this again. He fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. There was nothing dignified about this. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And at that moment, if you're Jairus, you've got to be, oh, I'm so happy he's coming. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, crowds, move out of the way. We've got to go. And the great crowd followed him and thronged about him. It's like, please, my daughter, we've got to get there. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, I know that sounds like a drag. Like if, if any of you, if, if any of you were offered, hey, would you like to bleed for the next 12 years? He'd be like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's worse because in the Jewish culture, she would be considered unclean. Going back to the book of Leviticus, she's unclean, which means she can't really sit on anything that anyone else sits on. She can't be with any, no one can touch her. She can't go to the meals. She can't partake in the Sabbath. She's, she's literally like a, a leper. Like that's not a fun way to live 12 years of your life. And yet it says, oh, and she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. So not only was she in this, this pain and uncleanliness, but she's broke. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. So spending everything she had didn't get her better. It got her broke and she was worse. But she had one hope. She had heard the reports about Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And I call this prayer because she, she knows the only hope she has is Jesus. And she, she believes her faith is such that she says, he doesn't have to touch me. Remember, Jairus said, put your hands on my daughter and she will live. This woman is like, he doesn't have to touch me. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't even have to know I'm there. But if I can just touch his robe, that will be enough. She besought him greatly. She's fighting her way through these crowds. She makes it to him. She touched his garment for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, are you joking? You see this crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And I'm thinking Jairus at this moment is like, come on, come on. You're just bleeding. He can come back. My daughter's dying. 
Now he's, who cares who touched you? Can't we worry about this another time? And he's looking around to see. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell before him and told him the whole truth. She's like, I'm in so much trouble. I, I took his power without his permission. And she's telling the whole story. And I, we don't know how whole the whole story is. Is it about the 12 years and the doctors? And, and Jairus is like, <laughs> my daughter, please, please. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. She besought him greatly. She's just said, if I can touch but the hem of his robe, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So, so far, we see Jairus had faith to believe that Jesus could heal his daughter who's at the point of death. And this woman had faith that if she could just touch Jesus, just touch him, she would be made well. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. And those are heavy words, just your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? It's like, okay, there was hope. There was hope. She was sick. And he got to town just in time. And Jairus, you got there in time. And you implored him earnestly. And he was on his way. And then the woman and the touching and the bleeding and the stories. And their faith ended here. They believed he could have healed her when she was alive but now she's dead it's too late but overhearing what they said jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue do not fear only believe and i think it's interesting he said do not fear because I'm not exactly sure if I'm Jairus, if the first emotion I would recognize would be fear. It might be anger. It might be despair. It might be hopelessness. But you see, all of those really, they come out of, out of fear. Anger is a secondary emotion. You know, I stomp on your foot. The first thing you feel is pain. Then you yell at me. In your mind, you just went, step anger but there was something first and jesus said don't be afraid only believe and he allowed no one to follow him except peter and james and john the brother of james and they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly yeah there's a commotion she's dead and you weren't here. You were talking to some woman. You could have talked to her later. She didn't have an appointment. I, 
And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Like, you, you crazy preacher man. They laughed at him. Some translations say they laughed him to scorn. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. And they went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So I've been thinking about these stories and I ask myself some questions So I will ask you some questions. First question I ask myself is, do I believe that story? And of course I do. But I'm like, okay, but do you believe that story? Like, do you believe that that Jesus is the same Jesus who's living and active in the world today? Or do you believe, yeah, well, that was Bible times and it's, it's different now, you know, things, things have changed. Now, I can't tell you why Jesus heals sometimes and sometimes doesn't heal. I can't tell you that. I know people that have been healed. They believe it was God who healed them. I know other people that prayed and were not healed. I can't answer. I, I can't tell you that one. There's stories in the Bible. I mean, why did Paul pray so much for Epaphras and he almost died? I mean, eventually, but, but why wasn't he just miraculous? Why wasn't it just like, you know, there's, there's stories where Paul, they go take a handkerchief and they rub it on him and they put it up. If that can heal people, why? I don't understand. I don't know. But I have to say, I have to believe it. And you say, yeah, but it's hard. Yeah, that's why we need faith. We need more faith. We need more faith. I mean, remember this woman, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. He told Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. Then I think, okay, then why don't I pray more? I don't really have a good answer. The, the biggest answer is laziness because it's hard. It's hard to focus it's hard to set aside the time. It's hard to say, okay, I'm, I'm just going gonna, I'm just gonna to focus. Maybe I need to pray more by looking at the stars. I don't, maybe that's not how my brain works. I don't know. That's why I like the idea that prayer isn't put in a box and you can't put the prayer in the box. The only thing I really can say for sure is that we need to earnestly seek him because he's the only one who can do anything. And he wasn't, he wasn't concerned. If you notice, nowhere in this story did it go, oh man, why did I stay so long and talk to the woman? I should have paid better clock management. I'm worse than Mike McCarthy. What is wrong with me? The little girl died. Oh, Jairus, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. But I just, no, 
He was just like, she's not dead. She's asleep. So I want to just encourage you, pray more. Find a way that works for you to pray. Maybe it is just reciting the Lord's Prayer. I mean, actually, I've told you, I do that sometimes when I don't know what to pray. I will literally, I'll say, Our Father who art in heaven. And then I'll just say, God, I'm, I'm so glad that you're in heaven. Because I'm here on earth and I get stuck. And I know you aren't stuck. You are in your, your holy temple. The Lord is on his throne. Habakkuk says, let all the earth be silent before him. Your kingdom come. God, I, I, I do, I want your kingdom. I mean, just, you just take scripture, however you want to pray. Pray your lists. Pray how, whatever it is. However, and I also think the more you do it, the more you'll kind of find your flow, if that makes any sense. But what I really want you to do is realize that he's the only one worth seeking. He's the So I was gone, didn't play my guitar for a month. Tanner can tell you he's gone now, but when you don't play guitar for a month, your calluses, they go away. And then you pick up your guitar to play it and your fingers hurt. And for those of you who don't understand, guitars have like sharp metal strings on them and you're pushing them with your hands and it hurts. And the only is you just keep playing and you 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 keep playing and eventually calluses build up. So I don't know very many songs and I needed to play the guitar. I said, I'm going to play for half an hour because I got to play. And I was like, oh, this hurts so much. One of the songs I know is Country Roads. So I started singing it and I'm thinking about the lyrics. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the dreams, younger than the mountains blowing like a breeze country roads take me home to the place i belong and i'm thinking this is like okay this song isn't necessarily a prayer but it's a prayer it's it's i'm 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 need home i miss home you get to the bridge i hear her voice in the morning hours she calls me the radio reminds me of my home far away and driving down the road i get a feeling that i should have been home yesterday and i'm thinking okay what is attractive about this song to me and it's that feeling of like i want to be i want to be home i'm not there i want to be home and i'm thinking where do i really want because it isn't fenimore wisconsin and I realize it's because it's, it's my creator. Like, I've never realized it before, but really what I'm, what I'm saying is, God, I want to be with you. I want to be where there's no more sadness and sorrow, where there's nothing broken anymore. And that's what so much of our things are. We are calling out. We're just calling out aimlessly, namelessly. So I want you to think about what am I calling out for? What are you longing for? What really is it? And, and focus on these things. And this is why I wanted to have communion tonight. Because my point is to, to seek him. That's what prayer is. It's seeking him. And Henry Nouwen wrote a line and he said this. The truth about prayer is God wants you to pray to him far more than you do. He wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He misses you. He made you. He loves you. And he knows you. And so I thought tonight, I would give you some time just to pray to him. Just to say, creator or father,
or spirit or son. I, I need you. I need you more than I even know. And I'm, I'm wayward and I'm weary and I'm broken and I'm tired and sometimes I don't know how to go on and I want to be home, but it's not time yet. And after you pray, the servers will pass out the bread and the cup. And at your own time, remembering the words of Jesus, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Partake and commune. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that your son taught us to pray. And thank you that he prayed. And if he prayed, if he would go off alone and pray, how much more do we need it? And so I just pray that you help us to do it. It's, it's really pretty simple. You told us to love you and to love each other. And part of loving you is praying. And part of loving each other is praying for each other. So help us. Um, Jesus, we do believe. Help our unbelief. We believe that you are the one who heals and restores and forgives and renews. We believe that you transform homes. We believe that you change hearts. We believe that you heal marriages. We believe that you heal broken relationships between fathers and their children and children and their fathers. So help our unbelief. And thank you, Jesus, for what you did, that you died in our place that you crucified our sin in your flesh so that we might be counted dead to sin and alive to God. Help us to do that. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.